1: Greetings and salutations, my fellow creatives. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast celebrating creativity, the creative class, and creative culture worldwide. I'm your host, Sourdough, and on today's episode, I'm honored to be joined by a true Renaissance man. He's first and foremost a painter, then a working actor and writer, husband, father, the one and only Michael Ornstein. Hey. Hey Michael, how are you, brother?
0: Good morning. Oh man, it's so good to see you. You too,
1: man. Man, you're looking fresh, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Clean shaven. <laughs> oh, that's the trick, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to do that. That's excellent. But you see, I mean, you know, I lad before I saw last time I saw you, you're on the brink of moving. There was so much going on, obviously a lot of stress. You're kind of over the hump now. You've moved and now you're back in LA working for a few days or whatever. You've seem lighter. You feel like, you know, you're over the hump.
0: Yeah, it feels really good to you know, to be uh, to be going into a new a whole new world, moving to the Midwest, you know, by the East
1: Coast. Man, Midwest. I'm, I grew up in the Midwest. I left in the Midwest for very good reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great place to grow up. Well, how are you finding it? Where are you exactly? We're in Cleveland, actually. Okay. You yeah. know, and we're finding it pretty good. And, you know, that's why we're there, man, to grow yeah. up. You yeah. Know? We have two kids, 11 and 13. Yeah. And they've experienced so far New York City, Los Angeles, and now they're going to be, you know, in this small little town that's containable. Yes. You know, go yes. to a ball game, go to yes. a concert, do whatever they want, L- put on training. Listen,
1: I mean, you know, truth of the matter is I have, you know, real concern and guilt sometimes about raising my kids in this crazy city of Hollywood. you know, having grown, grown up in the Midwest with those simpler pleasures or what have you. So I think that's great for your kids.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping, yeah. you know. And also, you know, man, work-wise, I've always worked better, like when I'm... Out of New York City, out of LA, out of a big city, you know, to look at it like, okay, this is where I go to work. Yeah. And here I am and, you know, I'm I'm painting and I have some time and I'm writing. There's something about... Being ob- it's an objectivity that I gain, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, by the way, you have a great neighbor, isn't Dave Chappelle a citizen of Ohio? Is he? Yeah, I he hope actually so. is. Yeah, 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 he yeah totally yeah. is. Yeah, he has a whole bit about that. I think where you know why he lives in Ohio. Oh, because I think he kind of grew up for uh, in Ohio
0: for a bit. But he actually has a big farm there. He lives there full time. Yeah, I just saw him. He was doing something with the people after the shooting in in Dayton. He yes, was, he was working with these people, yes. and he, he was talking about them and saying how wonderful they are and strong. Yes, and resilient. Yep. yeah i love him man
1: so how many uh you've been so you left la what two months ago now
0: yeah about two months uh we packed up and uh i was still shooting so i couldn't really travel the plan was to for all of us to drive cross country yeah you know so we packed up all our stuff and you know and then i was still working so it ended up uh zoe and the kids flew out and i drove out twice i drove back the dogs out so romantic (laughs) you know it was so great man i love a good road trip oh me too and it was the best this time you know i mean both times i hardly stayed in motels i just drove man slept down the side of the road and rest stops yeah yeah you know and and real trucker style yeah it was perfect it was like the greatest thing man just free, total freedom yeah to think and you know, and I feel like, you know, when you move to a place, you know, it's good to drive there. It's good to have a journey yes. to go there, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, not to be like too sort of, you know, metaphorical about it or whatever. But when I moved to LA from Chicago, it was a rebirth for me and so, like a reinvention in so many ways. And I insisted on driving and I wanted to, to the extent that I could, take the old Route 66 which ironically starts at Jackson in Michigan, in Whoa. Chicago, in downtown Chicago, the original beginning of Route 66. Oh, cool! Was like literally the intersection. Of, I'm, I'm. It's. It was either Jackson in Michigan or Van Van Buren in Michigan, but like right in there in the loop. Cool. And it basically went all the way across the U.S. and ended technically at Santa Monica Pier. In Santa Monica, yeah, because Santa Monica
0: Boulevard is called High. It's exactly. Route 66, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So
1: for me, it was like, oh, like like this is like a rebirth. Like the Route 66 is like the is like the birth canal, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, being reborn. You know, I love a good road trip, man. Yeah,
0: me too, man. I didn't me want too. it to end. I know. And they're rebuilding uh, big parts of Route 66 now. No kidding. Yeah, they're they're reinstating it, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's That's a great, great road. man. There's so many famous roads, like Highway 89, you know, goes up all the way up into Canada around uh, Calgary, I think. Okay. And down through, you know, Montana, all the I, New I Mexico. Have to, I have to plead ignorance. I, I don't know about Route 89. Yeah, it's the greatest. It's one of the most beautiful highways. I mean, there are like... Famous yeah. highways, you yeah, know. Well,
1: our Highway One here in in Cali, yeah. For example, oh my right? God, I yeah. mean,
0: you know, one of the most famous highways in the world, you know.
1: So, and you get the, one of the other benefits, right, of moving uh, out of L.A. into the Midwest is you get a hell of a lot more for your
0: money. Oh man, I mean, you know. you
1: know, I'm guessing you have acres or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we have like 30 <laughs> acres. Yeah, and like, nah, like,
0: no, nah. nah. nah, we have like a really modest place, man. But it's like you know, it's we went back in time. Yeah. We looked at We looked at Philly, we looked at Rochester, New York, we looked at Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, Austin, Nashville. Man, we looked everywhere. Yeah. You know, and nobody was looking at Cleveland. Nobody. Nobody was talking about it. Right. When I started telling people we're moving to Cleveland, people were like, why? (laughs) is everything okay you know yeah it was different you know if i would have said austin it would have been oh great austin yeah but like no and i was always really good at like finding neighborhoods in new york city to move to before they gentrified that i could still afford yeah you know what i mean i was always i always had a knack for that right and i feel like i did it again yeah yeah you know because it's got everything you would need. Well, it's and a talk great about city. talk about the art scene in Cleveland. Well, the art scene in Cleveland, I think, has a little connection. To, I'm hoping has a connection to the art scene in Detroit. Sure, two hours away. Right, yeah. and then you got Pittsburgh right below it, another two hours. You got Chicago, five hours that way. Yeah. You got Toronto, three hours that way. Yeah. So I feel like what's going on in Cleveland. there's a lot of theater. There's the museum is like world-class, man. I mean, Mm. it's free, you know, there's a lot of philanthropy and, um, and I'm not sure what is going on yet in Cleveland, but I want to have a lot to do with the art scene in Cleveland. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You just, I mean,
0: obviously you just got there, but no, that's so exciting, right. To think that you can have an impact. Yeah. Right. You know, and, uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of street art there. You yeah. know, I see it a lot. Yeah. And people think about it a lot. And uh, you know, it's one of these cities like Winnipeg, you know, it closes down in the in yeah. the winter. Right. So in the winter artists figure out what they're doing and Mm -hmm. they kind of like hibernate Mm -hmm. and then the spring comes and it's like boom you know so there's a lot of time I feel for artists in Cleveland to chill out with their work you know with themselves yeah right you know sort of hibernate and gestate and yeah right right all that you know and out of that comes really good music and art and plays and you know a a lot of a lot of stuff I have to confess I mean I, I you know I haven't looked at the map recently but I had forgotten
1: that Cleveland was sort of in the middle of so much action. Yeah. Detroit. Philly, Chicago, you know, I mean, it's all kind of, you know, uh, Toronto, it's all
0: right there. It's right there, and then you got this raging, you know, fucking lake. Yeah, you know, this ocean of a lake. Yeah, you know, the Gordon Lightfoot song. You know, the <laughs> Fitzgerald was big, that was that lake. Yes, dude. You know, the witches of November. The, the Great early. Lakes,
1: man, are no joke. Yeah, I grew up on the south end of Lake Michigan, uh, outside Chicago, and yeah. uh,
0: boy, that's it's you know. It's it's serious water, serious body of water. Big deal, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I'm looking forward to, like, you know, hitting up with uh, Detroit and Chicago. I love Chicago, man. I can't wait to be near it. Well, and, I mean, being a theater guy, yeah. I mean, shit, Chicago is like... It's like Mecca, yeah. man. Yeah. Steppenwolf. Right, you right. know, <laughs> I mean, they were they were my idols, man. We got to work with them, and I, I had a theater company. I was a part of a circle rep theater company in New York, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And we hooked up with um, with Steppenwolf years ago, man, and did mm-hmm. True West and yeah. Bomb and Gilead, you know, which is yeah. a, a show that, like, changed my life, man, directed yeah. by John Malkovich, right. and Terry Kinney, Gary Sinise, just Terry, Glenn Edley, uh, Lori Metcalf. The,
1: the pedigree is just. I mean, it's wow. it's
0: world class. So you do, yeah. you don't get better than those people. Yeah. And the audiences, you know, that you get in the Midwest. Right. You know, I've done a lot of plays in the Midwest, you know, like three, four hour plays. Well, you have like a deep
1: connection with Terre Haute, Indiana. Yeah, man. Like, (laughs) Like, that's so random. I mean, you know, specifically, I was born in Gary, Indiana. I grew up in Northwest Indiana. I've been to Terre Haute many times. And when
0: you and I met and you you were telling me about this (laughs) Terre Haute connection, I was like, that's very random. Yeah, it's amazing. This guy, Michael Tigley, he he runs uh, this place down there called Artiliano and you know and i i connected with him and i just love it there man i yeah. have this painting and it's like it's built um, around an old jailhouse 150 years old so the painting inhabits like 16 people who spent time in the jailhouse and there's a lot of their stories their epistles are like written onto the painting and uh and i showed it there and while we were exhibiting the painting i thought I like hey man why don't we make it Make a play out of this. So I arranged to, like, you know, find like 16 actors, local actors, and we did it we they did it inspired by your painting yeah that's incredible you know they said all the dialogue that was written on the painting and it took 70 minutes to do (laughs) and there were all these people showed up man and it was like a performance it was a play i call it hand-painted radio oh dude that's fantastic yeah
1: yeah so well hand-painted radio implies that that play would would be a a great radio show right like you could do it as like a podcast that's right.
0: right right i'm obsessed with that old time radio yeah just the sound, you know, and the imagination. Yeah, right.
1: Well, that's it, uh, right? It, it.
0: it leaves it to your imagination. We're spoon-fed so much shit these days that we're not thinking for ourselves. Yeah, you all know, right. and hearing that, you know, listening, sitting back and listening to a story, <laughs> man, that's so ancient. Yeah, you know, so you know, and you that's got campfire shit, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, that's uh, what we're
1: all about, man. Right. Folk tales. That's so good. You know? That's so good. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about your painting. Is that you incorporate language so much. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're such a prolific painter. That's another whole nother conversation. But the one of the things that's always jumped out of, uh, to me about your work is your integration of of language, the written word story. Yeah. Narrative.
0: Yeah. It's really important to me, man. I know it always has been. And really early on when I was younger, when I was like 17, 18, and I would show my stuff to people. You know, they uh, a lot of people really hated that. You know, and really came down hard on me. You know, don't write on a painting. You can't write on a painting. What is this? It, it turns a painting into bullshit. Wow. A guy from a gallery told me that yeah. it turns up a, a work of art into bullshit when yeah. you write on it. That's not real art. Yeah you know and i felt (laughs) like wow that's fucking interesting you know it it, it turns words story turns a painting into bullshit when you write on it because it (laughs) reminds you of something you know yeah and it's just like that's what's so dangerous man about people talking to young artists yep you know about stuff and saying shit like that because that stuck with me man I'm, i'm yeah it did you know and and it uh, made me it made me do it better. It made me write more. You right. Know? And, well, and, the
1: arrogance, right? The yeah. arrogance of the uh, intelligentsia of the art world. Uh, these fucking assholes yeah. that think that they know what art is when they can't paint themselves out of a fucking paper box or yeah. whatever bag. And probably every art movement in throughout history. You know the the disruptor innovating uh innovator uh painter artist was told by the gatekeepers that day well, that's not a real art, and uh now we study them in art
0: school, yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. you know there are all these rules. You know, like you can't go beyond that line. You yeah. can't go beyond this line. You have to know the rules. Yeah. Well, I don't know any of the rules, man, because I never studied art. Right. I never, you know, I studied it on my own. There's so many artists have not studied art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, you know, I mean, what's where's the opportunity? There was no opportunity for me to, to study art when I was a kid, other yeah. than like, I grew up outside of Manhattan. Right. So, you know, we'd go to New York City go to the museums go see all the shows and you know and go to the uh, when uh, Soho before Soho was Soho you know my parents were into going to the there was one place called food okay and we'd go there they'd have a bulletin board Mm -hmm. and artists who lived in the neighborhood the squatting in the in the you know old factories yeah the old buildings yeah you know they would say hey man i'm having a show today come Mm -hmm. in i'm Mm -hmm. having an open studio and me and my parents i was a little kid you know we would go up these gigantic staircases into a, a a tremendous raw factory space and somebody'd be working in there Right. You know, and I would just sit there and watch him. Right. You know, and that was my education for art. Dude, that, I mean, what what a priceless uh, uh, experience for a young, impressionable, emerging wow. artist. It was so important, man, to just watch him work. And they wouldn't even look at me yeah I mean they would just work yeah right you know, they were just happy to You're, be there right. some little kid you know with hair yeah. <laughs> hair foot up on my head you know growing, you know just sitting there staring at him and like... also all the street art that was going on at the time yeah right you know this is the 70s the early 70s so yeah. you had the trains coming from Brooklyn and from the Bronx and you could see them and they were up top and hear them and see them like I my might... what a show that was man to look up and feel all that sound in your belly you know and see those colors coming like on trains man and there was one cat i think his name was richard hamblin i'm not sure okay he would paint like i mean i started seeing these figures all over lower manhattan and the bowery and the lower east side because that's where we we went a lot and uh because the cats is deli and shit right yeah sure and uh you know in little italy and chinatown and you know so there were these uh figures and they he used black paint and they weren't aerosol he used a brush and they he would hide them around a corner and a doorway this that and when i was a little man i mean that to me was the most exciting thing when i would find one and see one you know even if we were driving by and i would clock one they just like they took over my mind man these things, these figures.
1: It was like, it was like, it's like hide and seek or something. Yeah. Right? Like you're, yeah. you're, 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 these things are hiding from you. You're seeking them, finding them. Yeah. What a cool mm-hmm. impression. I mean, so they, I
0: mean, they're, they're just burned in your memory. Burned in my memory. Yeah. Because back then, I mean, New York was awesome, man. It was dangerous as fuck. Fuck. it was so dangerous it's so boring now it's so boring now it's all gone all the ethnic <laughs> yes. little beauties are it's gone it's, it's you called
1: know? homogenization or yeah. gentrification or whatever
0: yeah, yeah it's sad but yeah. back then i mean you know there were the graffiti the you know and that that was different man that was just like very that was very aggressive and it was very mysterious Because he never knew what he was trying to trying to do with these figures. Yeah, right. But it was around the time when people, you know, would get mugged regularly. Yeah, you know, you'd hear, uh, "I got mugged," "I got mugged," "I got mugged," "I got mugged." Well, he was painting fear. He was painting fear. And he was painting mystery. Yeah, right. Oh, I just
1: loved it. Man. Yeah, I was listening to this is kind of a it's on point, but it's a, a random thing. But I was listening to a an interview with Rob Zombie the yeah. other day, right? And uh, he was talking about that era in New York. I guess it was late seventies for him, or but he was talking about walking somewhere and there was a dead body, you know, like in yeah. the street. Like the the cops were just covering it up. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It was like, yeah, that yeah. that city is uh, is is a is an exciting place
0: to live. Yeah. I mean, so much came out of that, man. I mean, the whole uh, independent film scene came out of that. CBGBs came out of that. The Ramones, Patti Smith, television, the Dead Boys. Yeah. You know, all of it. That was all happening. And you were there. Yeah, I was there.
1: Well, there. by the way, okay, so hold on for a second. Let's give a shout out to your mom and dad. Yeah. Oh, my right? God. And I don't think I've ever actually asked you about your parents. Yeah. I don't even know if they're still with us anymore. Yeah, my dad
0: is. Yeah. So, I know? mean,
1: let's, let's talk about your parents. I mean, yeah. you know, how did they influence your life? Because
0: clearly it was epic. I mean, it was it was fundamental. Yeah, it was fundamental. My mom was artistic. She realized I was artistic mm-hmm. really young, mm-hmm. you know, and she was always, uh, always about – all religions teaching me about every single religion, mm-hmm, you know, I was mm-hmm, raised Jewish. Mm-hmm. My aunt though, her sister was a nun. So oh, wow. my aunt was a nun and I, you know, I was Jewish. So yeah. it, you know, I got to learn all about, you know, what, a nun is about, yeah, you know, and yeah. what, what Catholicism, that Catholicism, yeah. and yeah. Buddhism, and Judaism, and out of that came Joseph Campbell. Yeah, right. You know, my mom turned Power me on. Yeah, Joseph, my pop turned me on to Jack Kerouac when I was a child. And so I had like Joseph Campbell, Jack Kerouac, my aunt, who's a nun, New York City, like all these people I met, and my mother was very into that. You know, she cultivated that. Like, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, you know, because I would watch like, you know, Jimmy Cagney movies with my grandfather, Humphrey Bogart, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when I would sleep over. That's what we would do. We'd watch old movies. Yeah. And I loved it. And I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be Bogart. You yeah. know, when I was like you know six years old. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wore a hat. I dressed like my grandfather, you know. Wore a hat. That's tie. amazing. And I also I, I knew, don't think yeah. I know if I don't I don't think I
1: know I I don't think I knew who Bogart was at six. So I'm yeah. envy,
0: I, I envy you. Go ahead. Well, not only did I know who Bogart was, mm. I knew about the history of Italian and Jewish and Irish yeah. gangsters, yeah. you know, in the in the city. You know, how business from the really 20s. gets done. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like that was that was my my world and cowboys and you know all that stuff so uh, so my mom dug it you know that i wanted to be an actor so when i was like 12 years old she's like okay you want to study acting and i said yeah i do Mm -hmm. so she uh took me to the american academy of dramatic arts in new york and i studied with really serious people there man i mean people were smoking and eating egg sandwiches in class you know the teachers yeah drinking coffee right they were working artists working artists and they were older people coming from you know, uh, the generation, like two generations before me, man. And the first play I ever did was a Eugene Ionesco play called Rhinoceros. I mean, this like totally profound, you know, (laughs) surreal piece. And how old were you? I was like 12 years old, man. (laughs) You know, and we did it for real. It was great, man. Yeah. And then after that, I wanted to study, uh, you know, all the people from the group theater, like Lee Strasberg. Mm-hmm. So I went to Lee's school, you know, okay. Saturday classes. Yeah. Matt Dillon was in my class. It was a kick-ass <laughs> class. It was great, man. <laughs> and, you know, I was doing like sensory work, you know, you know, when I was like 13 years old, you know, like yeah. really wow, cool dude. learning how to relax my body, learning how to uh, catalog my memories, learning how to really, you know, explore my mind and my psyche when I, you know, 13 No wonder you're a super weapon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I took it real serious because I would go back to Jersey. I I wouldn't even talk about it. Nobody knew I was doing that. You know, I was. This is this is
1: spiritual development.
0: Hell yeah! Right for real, man. You know, in a big way, and nobody. And I just kept it hundred percent private i didn't act or audition or i wasn't interested in that at all i just wanted to develop i wanted to be an artist because i grew up in jersey man I, i didn't know any artists i never met an artist you know what i mean yeah so like you know i figured well I don't know if I'm even from here. You know, I got to like find my people and I found my people in these people who taught me and people who, um, who would come into class. Like a lot of people would just come in a class, you know, like friends of the teachers, they would bring them in, you know, and people would talk about what they were working on, what they were doing. And then when I was 16 or uh, 14 or 15, I, I, I went to Stella Adler's school. And one day she came in to the actual Saturday class and Stella Adler was just like, you know, an idol of mine, you know, uh, and she came in and we became like friends, man, like me and her. It was insane. She invited me to go to her adult classes, you know. And my mom would like take me in. It was nighttime, and you know, and with me and my mom. And my mom would go and do something, you know, go to a cafe or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right, you know?
1: while you were in class. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and and then uh, after her class, she would come in. First off, she would you know sit in a throne. So she would like enter the room and sit in a big throne. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was a scene study class. That's what she, you know. So after the class. She said, Don't say anything ever in class, but after, come and talk to me. So I would go and talk to her in her dressing room mm-hmm. and ask her all these questions. And one time she said, Never put your head on the pillow unless you change the world that day. And I was like, Holy shit, wow. Man. No pressure there. Fucking 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was Whoa. like, All right. You know, and that was like, It's so clear to me. I mean, I could see her face saying it, you know, and, 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 uh, I remembered it and I just like, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm still doing that, you know? Right. And that means, you know, make a painting or write something, yeah. or you know, tell your, tell your child you love them in a, in a new way that's going to impact you know, culture, impact culture. You know, something that moves you forward, something that moves mm-hmm. could move the world forward, but moves you forward. Yeah, that's right. You know, makes you better. So I wanna
1: clarify something because one of the things that I've always and we've you and I have known each other now for a few years and and one of the things that you've always been clear about with me is that you think of yourself first and foremost as a painter. Yeah. Right. And as I'm listening to you talk right now in, in your journey, right. As a young boy, it, you know, clearly these acting classes and, you know, they played a prominent role, but were you painting and drawing during this time as well? When did you start putting
0: a uh, pen to paper? So yeah. Like, I, like I never stopped. Like yeah. when I was, you know, a child, you know, I drew yeah. like every child draws, Does. Yeah, right, you know, right. but like, I, I just never stopped Okay. And I just like got different materials basically you know what right I mean? right sure like so you know i went from whatever i was drawn with when when i was a little kid and then you know i there was a there was a really important store in my hometown okay and it was a, a stationary store right and they had this like section of art stuff Mm -hmm. you know like charcoal pencils uh pencil sharpeners that were different you know they were metal right right you know they had notebooks and they had black books and they had all kinds of paper and the guy who was running it his son worked there and he looked just like cat stevens Okay, you know back then yeah right early 70s you know and he was a hippie and he had like (laughs) you know like uh you know beard and long hair and curly hair and and uh and he would teach me about what this stuff was because i would ask him all these questions all the time and the shop was right around the corner from my pops business you know so i would go there all the time and 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 start experimenting with whatever i found there in the shop you know colors and and uh, you know, pa- different papers and different paints and and stuff like that. So growing up, that's what I started doing, and that too, I kept it completely private interesting I, I didn't tell anybody i was doing it i just i just painted and messed around you know with oil paint and anything i could get my but hands on you weren't out. showing these uh art
1: creative uh pieces to anyone
0: else Nobody. it was a private thing not even right. really my parents yeah. like i didn't right. it wasn't i didn't have any impulse whatsoever to show anything to anybody That's i was super just interesting it, yeah. you know And, uh, you didn't need that validation. You didn't
1: want that. You didn't want that. You just, it wasn't even on your mind.
0: If if anything, I was afraid that somebody was going to take it away from me. Interesting. Because my dad was never so keen that I was uh, interested in art or acting or anything like that. He wanted you to have a real job or something. You know, he wanted me to go into business with him. Yeah. You know, what business was he in? He was in the garment business. Yeah. You know, which I found to be beautiful because of all the people who were in it with him, you know, and, you know, but. It's a creative field for sure. Definitely, man. You know, but like that wasn't, I knew real early on that yeah. the, where I was headed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I, I just really didn't want anybody to take what I was, because yeah. I, I didn't know it. I was a kid and still. To this day, yeah. man, yeah. you know I feel the same way. Right? It's like I'm in the middle of f- figuring something out. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet, right. so I don't want anybody to, to come in and start telling me this and that or do this or do that. I want to figure it out because if I figure if I figure it out, I'll figure it out my way. Yes. And then I could always learn the conventional way. Of course, you could always learn convention. Yeah. You know, and I'm into that.
1: Well, what I appreciate about your story is that. You know, the conventional process might say, you know what, learn the rules and then figure out your voice. Right. Right. Or your point of view or whatever. And, you know, how fortunate you were to be in a situation
0: where you could figure out your voice and your point of view first. Right. Right. Right because i had i had no one to teach me convention yeah and i couldn't you know google something right we didn't have that yeah you know and there were uh, absolutely no painters except for my mom yeah you know and my dad painted a little a little bit interesting you know but like uh you know, I mean, the only reference that I had was going to these studios when I was when I was a kid. Yeah. And seeing people work. Right. And, I mean, people were working large scale and they were painting with, like, vicious material and getting paint everywhere. And, you know, really in the midst of what they were doing. And that's what I learned from. I, I, I remembered it. I remembered... Uh, a friend of uh, my folks, her name was Ronnie, and she owned a shop called Wearable Art mm-hmm. in Soho. Mm-hmm. It was really one of the first shops down there. And one day we <laughs> visited them, they, lived, they had a brownstone down around Jane Street. And I remember going there, and uh, the, her husband was out in the patio in the back. And we hung out with her, you know, because my, my folks went to heist, grew up with her. Yeah. And, uh, but the husband... He just stayed in the back. He didn't even come and say hello, and he was painting, Mm -hmm. right? And I was looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, and just a little kid, and I just went out. I just got up because- uh, they weren't talking to me or anything i was right. just sitting there and i went and i hung out with him in the back and again man he didn't even fucking look at me you know <laughs> he just like let me be there and like i was a cat or a yeah, dog yeah. or something you Hell, know he did he he might not not
1: have known you were there he yeah, might have been he, in his but, own world i, I, right? I bet yeah. I, I never even thought of that you know?
0: <laughs> yeah and he just worked and through the whole time that we were there i was just sitting there and looking at him watching what he was doing and you know, he had a shirt off, he was wearing like cut off jean shorts and no, no shoes or nothing, you know, and it was just like he was in his own house in his own world, man. And, uh, you know, I heard that we were getting ready to leave, they were getting up. So I went in the other room, and we went toward the front door. And then I turned around and there he was. And he shook my hand. And he introduced himself as we were leaving and gave me like, the biggest smile and it meant so fucking much to me and that's maybe why i didn't feel like showing or didn't feel like doing anything because of the the feeling of that i that I saw these artists not paying me any mind, yeah, they weren't looking at me and saying, "Hey, what do you think? You got any questions? Hey, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that and right. they were just doing their thing. It was for them it on was a certain for level. Them, yeah, man. Right. and if someone was sitting there yeah. learning or digging it, right, that's cool too. Yeah, right you know That's cool, too. One time i when I went to I went to college for a year, you mm-hmm. know, for acting, mm-hmm. And the same thing, this guy, Bruce Furtman did this uh in in our uh, movement class it was like he was doing martial arts mm-hmm. he was teaching gonna teach us tai chi and aikido mm-hmm. so the first class that any- that i ever had in movement you know uh you know real serious movement class he uh greeted us he was doing tai chi for like a half an hour yeah. we walked into the room he was doing tai chi For a half an hour, we watched him. Right. Do Tai Chi, right, and that's know? all.
1: Like, he was just doing Tai yeah. Chi, and the class was about you coming in and watching, right, right.
0: and feeling yeah, that that energy, yeah. Not not a word, right, man, right. Just this is where you are now, right. Welcome to that's my so world. That's so powerful. too Tai Chi, I remember
1: uh, years ago I was traveling. Uh, it was, it was uh, I was in San Francisco International Airport, and it was one of those rush hour kind of deals where it's like you know the plane's taking off at like 6 p.m. You know everyone's done their work and everyone's rushing to their planes to get home or whatever. And it was just madness in the terminal. Right. And I'm going down and I'm walking and there's this beautiful Chinese woman. She's probably, I don't know. She was probably in her twenties, young gal. And she's doing Tai Chi at her gate. Wow. She's waiting for her plane. And it was arguably so well, certainly one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen Period, because she was the the calm of the storm. As the world was raging around her, she was at peace, k- doing this tai chi um, uh, movement.
0: Yeah, I it's mean, it, so right? yeah, so it's I, just I like it, stops time. It, so it redefines it does. time. It does. It it's it a, does. It, like an invitation, right? To. Go to a place and, where there's and, no time. <laughs> and a reminder of how,
1: f- how hectic and crazy our time can be
0: if we don't slow down. Yeah. Right? And dealing with energy. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with energy, man, your yeah. own energy and, and you're inviting other people to join in your, you know, well, bring their energy. And, it's you know, obviously, you know, what do I know? But like, I'm still tripping out
1: on the fact that the, <laughs> there are classes focused on movement. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal, man.
1: And of course it is, right? Like, I've never thought about it, but of course, if you're an actor or you're studying acting, like, I can totally see that movement would be a core discipline.
0: Yeah, it's what it's all about painting, even writing. You know, it's about movement. Even if you're sitting there with a typewriter or a computer or, you know, dictating, you know, it really is about movement, starting with the breath. And then moving your body by what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And you could define a whole character. I mean, the Sons of Anarchy, uh, Mayans with Chucky, you know, his movement is really fucking important to me, man. And, you know, uh, throughout, you know, uh, everything that's going on in his head, it's really what's in his body that that I'm working on. in every character that I've ever done, you know, I, I find that character through how they move and through... Uh, you know how they you know because how you move informs how you breathe and how you talk and how you look at things and how you think you know it's all about how you move when you watch like Montgomery Clift or like Jimmy Dean Marlon Brando all those guys I mean they were deep into a movement and what's wild is that me coming up, I mean, I I think I was like the last generation that really had a connection to what those guys were doing. The, so you know So not to interrupt, but I have a question. So
1: would you say that the young actors these days that are coming on into the biz are are embracing and, and and studying and learning the fundamentals in the way that you did in your generation.
0: I feel like if they go to Juilliard or yeah, you know some right, right. really great program like you know I went to Mason Gross School of the Arts yeah. in Rutgers. It was a Meisner technique, voice, yeah. movement, uh, acting, everything. You okay. know, if you go to you know if you go to one of those programs and they're they're Uh, teaching it in an old school, you know, pure way. I bring that up because,
1: uh, in the visual art side, like I remember, you know, there's a lot of these, they tend to be for profit art schools or what have you. But, um, I've also, I've been very disappointed in looking at portfolios of students who have graduated because it seems like many of these programs skip over the fundamentals say of sketching. Yeah. Right. They, they're going, it, see, seemingly they're going right into learning Photoshop. Right. It's and I'm a, like, wait heartbreaking. a minute. I want to see your sketchbook. What do you mean? Yeah. I want to see how you think. What yeah. do you mean? Your sketching shows me how you think. Right.
0: You know. And it's and, the basis for everything that, yeah. that they're doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, th- I think like, you know, it's that old old school, you know, two generations back, you know, people who were, uh, you know, in their eighties when I, when I was, you know, 18, Yeah. you know, those yeah. people were my friends right. and people like Anna Sokolow, she was my dance teacher. I mean, she was in Martha Graham's original company. I knew people who were in the group theater, you know, and you know, the, the technicalities, yeah. these beautiful technicalities that you base your whole shit on for the rest of your life Right, right you know i mean they when they were young i mean like you know when they were young that was very serious It was a trade. You were learning a craft. You were learning something. You were learning how to sharpen a pencil. You know, it's like when you talk to a a sushi chef or see a hero dreams of sushi or whatever. How they talk about like, you know, the omelet making an egg. Yeah. You know, the simplest thing. Yeah. And finding, you know, the most technical difficulties in this most simple thing and really getting into it you know, you, you need that tool, man. You know, I mean, as an artist, you know, I went out and found that shit, you know, that's what I was like questing for when I was playing Whoa. with all those different materials.
1: And, and I'm, I'm spitballing here. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm totally off base, but I, I I'm willing to speculate that a lot of those teachers that you had were, were probably first generation American or immigrate immigrated from Europe. So there was probably this hardcore, European thing going on where it's like, no, you... You know you are nothing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you will learn this. Oh hell yeah! Uh, and I'll beat you know like beat it into you yeah. one way or another, right? It There's was a, tough, man. Yeah, rigor, very rigorous. rigorous. A
0: lot of rigor. I yeah. mean, if someone did what what happened every few minutes in a class when I was a kid, if someone talked to a student like that now, they they would be in jail. Yeah, I mean, right. you know what I mean? Exactly. You know? Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, it's like you you read about Picasso, Van Gogh, Modigliani. You read about these people. And how they came up. I mean, they were they were sent to, you know, uh, very serious schools, man, yeah. and learned, you know, the basics like Da Vinci learned, like anyone yeah. learned, you right. know, through the years. Yeah. like my kids right now, you know, they don't even know how to write cursive. I mean, my kids actually know how to write Yeah, no, no. But the kids these days, they're just typing. Yeah, they're they're just typing. And now, you know, uh, the way like an iPhone is or this or that, you don't even have to type anymore. All right. You could just dictate. So all of our tools are being taken away from us. Right. And if you, you know, if the battery goes out, man, you got to have a pencil. You got to be able to know how to draw. Yeah, right. You know, it's really fucking important, yep. you know, because, you know, somebody t- told me really early on, a director, his name is Joe Rose, like the first play I ever did. And he said that, uh, you know, it's like a tennis match, man. You got to have boundaries. You got to have something that you're working inside of for discipline to give you freedom. You know, yeah, it's really yeah. important to have yeah. rules and, and, and boundaries and stuff like that. It's focused, too. Yeah, it's focused, man. You need to be in there. Like if you're improving, you know, the improvisational artists, you know, people who do that live, you know, they have, they have really rigorous boundaries, man. And that's what makes them that free. They, right. they have a work. They're connected to the people they're working mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. And they, they know where they're going. Yeah, you know, because they have these boundaries, and that opens up the world to them. Yeah, you know what I mean. It gives them so much freedom. So I think it's really important, man, that people stay away from the computer.
1: You know, really
0: stay away from it. It's a luxury. It's a luxury. Yeah, and uh, you need your uh,
1: your fundamentals in place before you go play with these powerful tools that you know. You know they have their place yeah but they're not uh they're they're the they're a means to the end but they're not the end yeah you know? they're not. um but I want to go back because this this whole conversation we're having about your you you studying movement as an actor or what have you or the power the importance of movement in all these things like what I appreciate about this is that I'm seeing your painting in a new way now having this conversation because your paintings have such energy that is all about the movement of the brush and your hand and, uh, and, and the, and maybe if there's a writing uh, language uh, narratives written into the paint, there's, there's, there's a flow there. And I just, you know, in all candor had never really thought about how, how your mindful movements or your, your mindfulness around movement, might be informing your painting yeah
0: like a lot like a whole it's totally clear to
1: me now yeah
0: right like i like to with my my paintings i mean like i like to leave i like to put them in a place where they're where they're sort of in flux where you can see the movement you can see the mistakes you could see you know Uh, where I was headed with one thing or where I was headed with another thing so that when you're looking at one of my paintings, I want someone, when they're looking at one of my paintings, to feel the movement inside the painting and go from this place to this place to this place to that place to this place to that place. And I want them to work with me and meet me halfway and form that painting. Yes. You know, it's like, my. I feel like my, I want my paintings... I want to leave my paintings in midair, you know, and have them be unfinished so that the viewer, in communicating kind of with me with the painting in the middle, finishes the painting. Sure. Like when I write on a painting, I'm writing on the painting. I'm not transcribing on the painting sometimes i am sometimes i do do that right but right most of the time like on that piece with the uh 16 stories yes, epistles, yes whatever yes. i mean I, I just i grabbed a pen i wrote in i i had the penmanship actually reflect the character that i was you know and and i was like just they were just flowing through me and i was writing yeah in real time on the thing and every every uh, piece of penmanship is completely different. One guy even I wrote backward. I didn't think about that. <laughs> wow. He just I just wrote it, everything was backwards. Yeah. So you put it in a mirror, you know, it's perfect, right? You know, but I think like yeah, uh, I'm all about movement. I'm I'm I I feel like uh, to me movement is more important than depth. You know, interesting. Just to just to get it out there, you know, and 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 leave it in a place where I feel like if I touch even one tiny tiny dot, I got to start all over again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just leave it like in in the the pinnacle of some sort of movement
1: in well, midair. This also, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it, it on a certain level, it, it it sort of helps to explain your your uh, prolific uh, output. <laughs> yeah yeah you know because i mean that's again one of the things i've appreciated about you as a visual pa- uh, artist as a painter is that you are f- fucking
0: prolific dude yeah man i mean i just throw my that's why i call my stuff monkey language you know because it's my language and i'm like a, just a monkey it's like you put me in a studio You know, and I have whatever materials I have. I like to keep my materials kind of light too, Yeah, you know, and just kind of like, you know, be wanting Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, so I'll have my materials, I'll have whatever is there that day. And even if I have to paint on the back of paintings, you know, I'll go, I'll go do that.
1: Well, and the other distinction too, is I would, it is clear to me how serious of a painter or how serious you are about your painting. But I don't think for a moment that you're actually precious about your painting, if that makes sense.
0: No, in no way. Right. I mean, in no way. I mean, I have my own preciousness. Yeah. You know, I mean, like my, I'm, I'm precious to, to not polish it. You know, I'm right. I'm, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm precious. <laughs> right. to, yeah. I, you know what it is, man. For real, I'm precious to keep me the fuck out of my paintings. You know, <laughs> wow. That's if, deep. If, if that's I see me in my fucking paintings, if I see an idea that I had that I tried to do and right. you know really hard, it's done. man. Well, that implies the fact that you
1: are a vessel. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right, that's you're it. just trying to open yourself up to be a
0: channel, a medium. A vessel for something else not you absolutely nitrogen, right it's like i show up in the morning man i light a cigarette i have a cup of coffee i look around me i check it out I, but mainly what i'm doing is i'm feeling myself and i'm feeling w- where i'm at and i'm doing just what bruce Fertman did when he was doing that tai chi in his in his studio and i'm feeling myself out i'm feeling myself out i the kids are in school, you know, everything is kind of done. I'm here to work and I'm feeling it out, feeling it out. And then i go to work and whatever I'm, I'm feeling that day is applied to whatever work I do, whether it's working on a painting I've had for 25 or 30 years or something that I'm just starting. And I love to throw new materials at myself Mm -hmm. so that that in itself is an exploration and that that painting comes out of me experimenting with brand new materials and new colors and what's awesome is that montana keeps coming out with like brand new colors brand new textures brand new everything all the time Mm -hmm. so it's like it's like an unending fountain of brand new shit yeah and you know i mix i paint a lot with like raw pigment and uh marble powder mm-hmm. and stuff like that and mm-hmm. inks mm-hmm. and and all kinds of surfaces, plastics, metals like yes. glass like canvas, burlap, whatever the fuck I could find papers, different papers yeah you know, just to keep it fresh and just to really understand nothing but continue going yeah. you know and if I do understand something, I have that tool where I could forget something right I could like literally learn something know about it know all I can possibly know about it and then put it in my back pocket and forget about it that I learned from acting Mm -hmm. you know from Meisner Sandy Meisner do your homework he would say do all your homework know this front and back and intricately then when you right before you go on stage though put it in your pocket forget it a hundred percent and go and listen to the people you're working with, you know, and react truthfully, you know. And that's what I try to do with my paintings, man. I try to just do exactly that. I, I've been painting, you know, 50 years, you know, and, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing for what I do. You know, yeah. for my you know flavor of doing, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. I know yeah. that, right. and you know, but when I'm painting, I don't want to know anything other than that I'm l- literally a vessel, and that shit is coming through me. I have no idea where these stories come from. I don't know. I don't know where these colors or images come from. I paint a lot of people. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes uh, my grandfather comes up a lot. Uh this woman with red hair comes up a lot mm-hmm. you know this mm-hmm. this uh, reddish brown hair you know I used to have a, a recurring dreams about her now my daughter looks exactly like her yeah. all these paintings <laughs> my daughter's starting to look exactly <laughs> like this girl you know that's I'll, so I'll deep do a painting and say oh man I, that was that cat who was sitting across from me when uh, you know on the subway train you know going out to like you know I remember that guy or you know this and that it's like I create I I I catalog faces yeah, and not just faces. Like I try to paint people the way they look when they're sitting on a subway train after a hard day, Mm. the way they look when they're just within themselves, just thinking about their lives in a state of like meditation, safety, you know, and they're just sitting there on the train. That's what I try to paint. And a lot of people think they look sad, but I don't think they look sad. I think people look most beautiful when they're just with themselves, without any mask of emotion. Well, and that's And
1: again, that's, that gets to a point uh, you know, one of the reasons why I've always appreciated your work is that there's a humanity to it. I think, Thanks. I mean, it's not, it's you know? not, well, th- th- I mean, that's it for me. I mean, I, it, 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 it obviously would resonate differently with different people, but, but I've always thought there was a humanity to it. I didn't necessarily know why that was, but now, You know, you're unpacking that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I
0: just, it's really important to me to, to like Studs Terkel, Mm. Anthony Bourdain, Mm. people who are interested in talking to people and having those people's stories be told. Sincere interest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really important to me and to represent uh, another human being in a state where they are. You know, is really important to me, and just to make it honest. Yeah. You know, like well, I read about uh, the riots in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in 1921. Never knew about that. I came upon it, you know, years ago, like just by a chance, man. What was the was a racial thing, or yeah. what was happening? It was yeah. A, yeah. A, a white woman. Yeah. Said that a, a black elevator operator, some kid raped her or she was ra- you know yeah. she made up a story yeah you know Fuck. and it ended up you know these guys got on their crop planes and dropped bombs onto the shanty towns you know Jesus. where all the people live burned down you know houses people's houses you know uh thousands of ha- of houses and stuff like that so i, I did these four paintings you know a, a a grandson a mother a father and a grandfather you know just came out of that and that just happened, man. You know, it just came out. And once it comes out, you know, I follow it. You yeah, know, but right. but now I have a representation of, of the Tulsa riot of nineteen twenty one. It's really important to me. And the people who own those pieces are also really very, very important to me. They're they're amazing artists mm-hmm. who, who own these these pieces. And you know and they know the story and they yeah. know who those people are so it's really important to me man when somebody has one of my pieces that they know where it's coming from and they know that it's a piece of history and yeah, that it's right. really about something and and it's about something in the way that that a an old delta blues folk song or you know yeah. is 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 about a flood you know right that's like right. what i'm trying to do yeah Stag-a-lee. there's 30, 40,000 versions of the song Stagger Lee, yeah. you know, right. all these stories, some, and there was even a steamship, a river boat named Stagger yeah. Lee, you know, okay. a lot of stories, man, throughout yeah. history, but that story, you know, is, is thousands of years old, the story about John Henry, you know, with his hammer, mm. you know, uh, thousands of years old, it, it applies to everything, a yeah, guy right. works so hard, yeah, you know, against yeah. the system that it kills him. He lays down his hammer, his wife picks it up and keeps going. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's, that's like, you know, that's in us. We were born with that. Yeah. Thousands and millions of years ago, whatever. Right, right. You know, and and it's just a way of telling these stories and you know i guess when you're alive in a certain time that's your time to tell stories about your time yeah but drawing on history like you were talking about before like history is important man well Real now important.
1: it's, it's and, and now more than ever right yeah. it feels like you know we <laughs> maybe we've never been great at uh, remembering history but uh, certainly it feels now we to, you know tend to re- repeat history yeah. because we don't remember it or don't know it in the first place
0: yeah and we got to be real careful man because you know times like these can lead Fuck, us back dude. like in the to just the turn of a screw man yeah man and it's really dangerous so i know a lot of young people you know right now they they ain't interested in history uh uh you know whatever happened five years ago or before that you know doesn't really apply you know and all that because you know of of uh, of where perspectives are but it's really important to know history you got to know your history because that's what makes you a warrior it makes you strong well and and this also know. just gets back to the bigger part of the conversation
1: too about being a student of your craft know your shit know your shit you know we we were talking about you know google earlier and and not having google when we grew up i i uh, yeah, i'm 49 i don't know how old you yeah, are you 56. look like you're 30. Thanks. yeah you look fucking great but uh you know so we didn't have you know uh, these these the access to this information we actually had to go to the fucking library and check yeah. out a book and read a book or talk to
0: an old man or talk
1: to a mentor uh, an expert a uh, uh, older uh older you know person, citizen yeah. You know, now we're living in, you know, it feels like the kids, they, you know, they YouTube it, they Google it, they
0: feel like they know it. And it's like, no, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. No. You know, and they know things, you know, I mean, like they'll, they'll know who covered the song for people. Out, right. Right. You know, but they it's won't a, know who, where it came yeah, from. Yeah, You do know that it's a cover of the original that was, yeah, thirty yeah. Or, you know but like they don't they don't know that no you know and like when i was a kid i mean that's all i wanted to know yeah you know i mean like first time i heard uh you know patty smith or red okay so i was obsessed with patty smith she was like no? my I was in love with when I was like 12 years old she was like my Marilyn Monroe man yeah. and you know she just blew my mind you know she talked a lot about Rambo. I read about Jim Morrison who also talked about Rambo, and he talked about Nietzsche and so did she you know so I went to my librarian and you know seventh grade or whatever you know and i said i want a book of, on by nietzsche and she <laughs> sent me to the principal what? they almost threw me out of school what for asking for that and i was like what the fuck you know are you people nuts i'm reading I'm, you know and that yeah. was the other thing yeah. studying acting because yeah. people would turn me on to these books and turn me right. on to these concerts right. and then i would bring my yeah. mind back to new jersey yeah. and try to like get it and yeah, you were being corrupted the by the uh, freaks in new york city yeah, yeah. Yeah, right you know what I mean but it was really important to me to know my history you know and to learn that you know Baudelaire and then Rambo and then this person and then that person and you know on and on you wouldn't go to a doctor
1: they didn't go to medical school (laughs) exactly so doc what's your qualification well I watched a video on YouTube (laughs) I googled it yeah (laughs) I bought some equipment (laughs) You <laughs> right. got this awesome set of
0: surgical tools. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't Let's they make me shot. look official? Yeah. I, uh, I feel that your, you know, your problem might be in your neck. Let's start there. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You got to know your shit. You got to yeah, know where ma'am. you're coming from. I mean, so that, what do you yeah. do?
1: So what are you doing? I mean, obviously, you're a dad. You got your own kids to raise. But I mean, in terms of giving back and helping younger kids coming up, and what's your, where's your mind at on that? Are you, are you able to? To, you know, to, to coach and to teach it all? Or are you, what are you, maybe that's down the road for you? I'm like dying to do that,
0: man. Yeah. I got a whole thing like written out, you know, I have mm-hmm. a whole outline of a, I would, what I would really love to do is I would love to have a school where I teach, What I do, you know, I teach writing and, and dance even, man, Mm -hmm. and, uh, acting and painting and, you know, creativity where you teach creativity and you teach how all these different uh, like uh what would you call them genres mm-hmm. feed into one another yep. you know and how if you know them all and you're really skilled at all of these different things how they feed into one another and how you're never going to run dry you know you could just keep drawing yeah. from writing and from music and from all of these different genres and that's one really exciting thing about moving to Cleveland right that I could teach, I would love that, you know, and visit all these different schools. There are tons of schools, you yeah, know? And
1: what a, what, a, what a hunger.
0: Uh, or mm-hmm. or a need, you know, there there
1: is for such a thing. I mean, you know, I grew up, uh, in, you know, went to public school, uh, in the Midwest, but um, we actually had a at our school, uh, uh, uh in our community, we had a, a good tax base. It was working class, but everybody was employed and yeah. doing well, solid middle class. So our school, our high school, we had a great liberal arts education. So we had, yes, we had academics and in honor classes, things like that, you know. But we and we, yes, of course, we had sports, but we had arts. We had music. We had theater. We had, you know, and uh, and all that shit's been cut now. Yeah, I know. So it's how all you, gone. Yeah. Who's going to make up the gap? Well, you and I are going to make up the Artists. gap. Hell, this is why I'm doing this podcast, in fact, because I'm I'm thinking of the 16-year-old in Cleveland mm-hmm. who doesn't have uh, 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 you know access to this, and yeah. maybe they'll stumble upon this podcast and get a window into this world that they're hungry for. Right. And in an and honest feed, way, the, man. Yeah, it's in, yeah. And for free and in an honest way,
0: and it feeds their soul. It feeds their mind, inspires them. Yeah. i mean it's really important man i mean like uh back in in uh well at at one point i lived in uh canada outside of montreal Mm. you know and there i was figuring out okay what could i do here so i found a place i I worked with like alzheimer's patients wow and i would go in once a week and i would say to them could draw your house where you grew up draw your house and people would draw their houses where they grew up and like they were able to like talk about them and i would ask them questions about their houses but you know they were totally not in the moment you know but like with their houses they remembered that Right. right you know and like throughout like i lived when i lived on cape cod all the time I would, I would, every chance I get, uh, I got, I would, I would try to connect with young people. I was showing a lot there, you know, Yeah. so people, I would invite classes to, to my play, to my, uh, where I was showing and talk about the work and, and, you know, just let them ask questions. You know, just a lot of questions. So I'm hoping to do a lot of that there in Cleveland. You know, and work with young people because it is our responsibility, man. I mean, we're the people we're who have to uh, who have to make it available. Yes. You know, because the art is being cut of all things, art right, is cut, and history isn't taught very much either. Right. You know, and There's art civics. and history go hand in you hand, know, on man. and on and on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. You uh,
1: know? and mean we have a you know obviously you know uh
0: middle-aged guys i mean it is we have a responsibility and a duty yeah absolutely uh, we got to step in man and really make that because i mean that's what's important even if people don't grow up to be artists you know it's important that they have that experience yeah. and they know that that's available to them
1: well and and
0: you know our listeners
1: have heard me tell the story many times but um you know the you know, Gordon Mackenzie's uh, book "Orbiting the Giant Hairball." Uh, Gordon was the chief creative officer at Hallmark Cards uh, for years and years and years, and um, he wrote "Orbiting the Giant Hairball" to really focus on. I mean, the subject of the book is really about how do you maintain your artistic integrity when you're working in a corporate environment. Right. And, but the story he, or a story he tells in the book is he would go speak to school kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, second grade, and and on and on. And he always started his talks with the same question. Who here is an artist in kindergarten. Every kid raises their hand. Yeah. Right. Well, by third grade, like maybe one kid. Wow. Every year it just went down and down. Yeah. And his whole point is what the hell are we doing? Right, yeah, to to school, you know, to these kids, and yet creativity is the only only thing that's really going to solve the existential
0: problems that face mankind. Absolutely, um, I mean, it's science, it's medicine. Yes, I mean, creativity. Yes. is everything. Yes. There's yes. nothing no. that. You know, I mean, you know, if, if, uh, two tree branches blow into each other, you know, from wind in nature, yeah, yeah, creativity has nothing to do with that, but everything else creativity has something to do with. But how those, how those
1: limbs land on the ground, uh, on each other, (laughs) you know, somebody walks up and goes, Oh wait, that's actually, I would actually make a really good shelter if I laid some pine boughs on that. That's right. I
0: mean, it's that even that even building the first shelter, building the first fire that was
1: creative, man. Man. Yeah. That was right. a creative fucking act. And that's a key point. I think we have such a one-dimensional you you are talking about these people in you know New York or whatever telling you you know that's not art because you write on it. I mean, we have such one-dimensional uh, uh perspectives on what art might be or what creativity is no if you're a scientist if you're a mathematician if you, you know you yeah. have to understand
0: the principles of creativity to innovate in your field yeah and to be deep and yeah, to be right. you know and and to have some compassion man. yeah empathy and yeah. empathy and to understand where you're coming from so it's really like if we cut out that from the schools we're really creating a bunch of robots who just take tests yep because my kids You know, that's all they talk about. I mean, you know, my kids are being educated through Google Classroom. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, why even go to school? Why don't they just sit home, plug into their computer, and take tests? And that's it. Anybody, um, you know, monkeys could take a test. You know what I mean? Yeah. A chicken yeah. could take a test. Yeah. It's not about taking a test, no. man. It's about no. learning something. How to think. How to think. And how does that apply to my life? Right. And that comes out of creativity. That's why schools like you know, Montessori's and Waldorf schools and all these, you know, different uh, concepts of, of of how to teach kids, you know, are so popular. I mean, like, you know, the Waldorf technique came out that guy was a, he was a, a German military man. Okay. And, yeah, I don't know the story. You know, Yeah. I mean, it came out of like his, you know, experience in the German military, and it ended up being, you know, it's a way to teach children in a creative way where they learn at their own pace and follow their own interests. Wow. You That's know what I mean? Great. I mean, it's really important, man. Yeah. We're creating adults. We're creating right. people who are going to be walking and talking one day. Right. And again, man. I mean, years ago, everyone knew how to draw. Everyone knew a different language. Yeah. Everyone knew. How to uh, how to write? People uh, were raised on liter real literature, man, real yeah. books, and yeah. you know, and knew how to write, and knew how to do things, and knew how to cook, you know. Right. And knew by how the, the way, to fix knew, something. knew how to go outside and ha- and and
1: play and skin their knee, yeah, and you know, uh, and, and be better for it, yeah, you know,
0: all that, yeah, and all that shit is is very important. It's really important. I mean, like you know, Halloween's coming up. What we do is, you know, we dress up and we have fun and we go out and collect candy and hang out with our friends. Yeah. You know, that's that's what's still happening now. Yeah. What would happen in 10 years from now if Halloween was just like, you know, you're you're online and, you know, you get an app and you collect candy. Right. I mean, if it right. was, you know, boiled down to yeah. that. And
1: Well, by the way, that could know? totally
0: happen. I mean, if yeah. God forbid something weird happened on a Halloween
1: and there was some God forbid, you know, uh, criminal terrorist, uh,
0: act. Yeah. Halloween would be over in a heartbeat. Over. In a, oh, a second, yeah. it would be like, oh my God, how could we have ever gone yeah. to someone's yeah. house and accepted candy? <laughs> it's
1: like, how could we be free? We can't be free anymore. Yeah.
0: That's the thing. We're not, we're, we, 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 we don't, we're not willing to die for our freedom. Right. And we're putting our own selves in jail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, it's 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 all really important, and and the most important thing, no matter what you do, I mean, like, is that is that you you have a sense of what art is and what creating art feels like, you know, that you have a sense of that, for sure, brother, for sure, you know, and so I mean, Kafka was a clerk, man, yeah, he wrote all that stuff, he was working in an office, yeah. Bukowski you know he was working in a post office that's where he wrote that shit from that's yeah. what he did every day and a lot of artists had jobs yep. like jobs all the time I've had more jobs and than, than anybody you know anybody uh, who you know I mean I know people not I, I I didn't mean to say I've had more jobs than anybody what I meant to say is <laughs> most people just have one job that's yeah. their job they work in the post office. Yeah. They're a garbage man. They're a pilot. They're this. Right, they're that. Right, they're right. the artists have to have millions of jobs. Yeah. You know, you have to have a job that suits wherever the fuck you're living. You have to have a job that suits your timeline. Well, And
1: by the way, but let's connect the dots here a little bit, because this kind of gets back to creativity, because on a certain level, we're coming into a time where we are in a time, right, where the one job for 30 years is no more, right? We're going into the so-called gig economy where people are having to fend for themselves and learn how to make ends meet. And maybe some people feel desperate. Maybe some some people are angry and pissed off, and they should be because they can't find a, a good, healthy proper job that can last them but so what do you do you're left to on your own you have to get creative yeah you have to
0: figure out well okay how can i make money that's right you got to work it out man you know i mean like i was talking to a guy last night he was a restaurant uh manager for many years now he's driving an uber yeah okay well you know the guy who invented uber you know he wasn't doing anything before that, and then he came up with Uber and he invented that that's creative, yeah, you know well yeah. you know and and that's the thing we need these tools, man. we need these tools like you're saying to figure out what to do for a living because yeah, you're right, you know, getting going to school. Studying something and then getting a job in your field and retiring on it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of like not happening so much anymore. Yeah. From what I
1: understand, the one thing that artificial intelligence, at least not yet and not anytime soon, perhaps the, the, the one thing human beings have over AI is our ability to cr- connect the dots in unexpected creative ways, Yeah, you know, and, and if, we're not teaching creativity from, from kindergarten up, right? Um, if we're not teaching, it's just like with a, with a foreign language, you teach a foreign language from kindergarten up, yeah. languages are so much easier for kids, yeah, you man. know? And if yeah. we're not teaching our kids how to think and be creative, how can, they, how, how can we expect them to be creative and, and think differently? Yeah, you
0: know, it's really it's scary, man. And yeah. we really do have to, you know, for our own future, we really have to do take it. We have to take it seriously
1: for sure, brother. Know? Well, and here's the thing: like, I'm so grateful, Michael, that you're here today. I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation because hopefully, this conversation that you and I are having are gonna is gonna inspire and 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 help our listeners in some way. You know, you know, address um, their own artwork, whatever it might be, their own creative expression, whatever it might be. You, my friend, are here in LA. Yes. You're you're here for a shoot. You know, the, the conversation today was so deep. Let's go superficial for a minute. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay. And, 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 uh tell our listeners where they can see you on the TV, because you're you're
0: shooting the Mayans right now, yeah. right? Which is amazing. Uh talk about what's happening. So yeah, we're doing Mayans MC. It opened a few weeks ago, premiered a few weeks ago. We're uh we're running right now. We're on 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights on FX, and it is a beautiful beautiful experience got to see the show i'm i'm loving it so much we're I in mean, season t- 3 season now? season 2 2 All right okay yeah. okay and it's just it's just the most heartfelt you know uh experience i love it i love the people i'm working with the scripts are amazing the story is, is timely and deep and personal mm-hmm. and uh and it's a, it's a really different experience you know for tv you now know. when are you co- so you come back how often to shoot now we well i mean it varies i'm guessing yeah i mean it varies like in future i'll come in when you know when i'm yeah. needed to be here yeah. you know yeah. and and uh and and what's great about that man is that i'll be living in cleveland you know in a house with yeah. my my wife and my kids and my dogs and you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, get on a plane and go to work yeah. and then show up like a, like a savage man, like an animal. And that's how I like it. Right. I like to work that way, you know, so that I'm just a hundred percent focused on the world I'm in, yeah. you know, staying in a motel up, up by where we're shooting and yeah, just did You guys up. shoot
1: up, uh, where where yeah, did we you? we shoot out. Out, in the, out, out yeah, in in the Nazareth. boonies. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, that's so
0: cool. Yeah, you know, where it looks like, you know, uh, you know, Mexico, it looks like right, right there, you know, we got all that, all that beautiful land, man, where we could just go and go and go. That's so good for the soul, man. I've been waiting since I'm 10 years old, man, to be in this gig right here. Wow. I mean, for real. I looked around myself, you know, I just looked around, I said to myself, man, this is where it's at. This is what I wanted. Like when I was a little kid, I wanted to be right here. Yeah. You know, man? Yeah. just at the you know at the people. But how beautiful and, is it that
1: you well a you got there, but b that you know you're mindful and grateful enough to see it, know it, appreciate it, call yeah. it
0: out. A hundred percent, man. I mean, I, th- I I'm thankful every day, every day that I could that I could still paint or write, put two words together, you know, or or show up on set and. And, uh, and really truthfully be there, you know, in a big way. I mean, I'm thankful for that every single day, you know, and, and I try to cultivate it. Are you able to, to sort of segment
1: or bifurcate when you're acting, are you thinking about your visual art at all? Are you, are you, are you, do you have your black book? Are you sketching at all? Or do you really kind of keep those things separate? It's like, you know,
0: it's like. It's always happening at the same time it's yeah. just the focus is more on the act. Right, right. It's like right. when I'm doing a play out of town. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like I'll fucking you know, before I come home, you know, when I'm getting ready to come home, I'll be packing my bag and, and realize I have like 15 canvases here, man. How am I going to get home? You know, I've had to take trains from, you know, gigs instead of flying, you know, I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, you know, everything, it's like... Almost like writing in formation. It's like, you know, uh, the painting leads now and then the writing leads and yeah. then the acting leads, you know, it's Ed like flow, that's how yeah. it is. Ebb yeah, yeah. flow. Yeah, yeah. You know, but everything still informs and feeds in, right. you know? Right. I mean, like the visual art, like, you know, I mean, we're working in film, you know, so it's a very visual medium, yeah. too, you right. know? So, right. you know, so that acting actually has its visual medium Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i'm dealing with like how what is this shot and how what's my relation in this shot what what am i doing in Mm -hmm. this shot Mm -hmm. you know being here just spatially even you know you got to think of all it's so complicated man. when you're acting i mean it's just like and and the more you do it and the the more experience you have and i have a lot of experience in the theater with live work and movies and tv and they're all so different you know every one of those mediums is really different and you know and the more you know the more you could play with you know which is really cool so you know uh so here you know you have the script and you have actors and then you have the uh the directors and then you have the lighting and then you have the visual shot I mean there's so many different levels to be alive in and to and to work in it's just so beautiful well you're radiating right now, Michael oh, Ortiz. I'm happy to be yeah, with you, man.
1: <laughs> this has been such a gift. Yeah. Thanks
0: for coming out. And make me promise, please come back. Absolutely, I'll come back. And you got to visit me in Cleveland, Cleveland, man. Ohio. I'll come, I'll come to Chicago and see you, too. Let's do it. You know, man? You yeah, got it. Absolutely. Right, brother. We'll meet in Detroit, whatever. Dude, in all candor, this is embarrassing.
1: I have not been to d- d- Detroit since I was a kid.
0: Let's, let's go and explore that okay. together. We'll, we'll I make would that love a field it. trip. Grab Circus too, man. Oh, Wouldn't shout that, out Michael would, Circus. Michael yes, Circus. Yes, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, man. Let's do that Okay, explore.
1: That's great. Looking forward. All right, brother. All right, my brother. Be well. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at Not Real Artificial. We appreciate the support. Sourdough, out.